Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. All your regular listeners, welcome back. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you do so wherever you listen to this. And if you guys feel called to do so, it's really appreciated to either share this episode or leave us a review. Just knowing that it makes an impact, makes an impact on me. And, and just I just love knowing that you guys get value from this. Love to see it tagged in stories, on social media, all that good stuff. And it's really appreciated. So today's guest... We have Rachel Shear joining us today. If you don't follow Rachel, well, you should now. She is a courageous individual who has experienced and overcome significant challenges in her life. Rachel has a background in bodybuilding and fitness and found herself struggling with depression, thyroid issues, and a debilitating gut problem. Her journey led her to question the limitations of Western medicine and seek out functional medicine as a way to address the root causes of her health issues. Rachel shares the importance of addressing gut health, understanding the mind-body connection, and taking ownership of one's circumstances and relationships. Throughout this episode, Rachel opens up about her experiences, shedding light on the impact of self-perception, dietary choices, medications, the power and how difficult it was to come off the medications that she was on and the interconnectedness of physical and mental well-being. You guys don't want to miss this episode. You want to listen to this right till the end. And if you have any, you know, issues with your gut or physical issues or mental issues that you feel that currently isn't being addressed at the root cause, I highly recommend listening to this right till the end and sharing this with people because... You know, a lot of people are running around feeling sick, feeling tired, feeling foggy. And it, a lot of it starts in the gut, you guys. You know, it's really, really important to understand that there's a root cause for everything. And all of this temporary, these these medications that are out there, they're all just temporary solutions. They're not, they're, they're Band-Aids. They're not getting to the root. And, you know, conversations like this are important to build that awareness that you can heal yourself there is ways to heal yourself, right? We are powerful creatures. And at the end of the day, that's what I want you guys to walk away with from the show is that you feel inspired, you feel educated, and you're willing to take action and do what you need to do to get through the adversity in your life and hopefully transform that into a purposely filled life, however that looks for you. So great episode and... Also, before we get into it, you guys, this episode is sponsored by my new book. Well, I guess it's not so new anymore. It's almost a year out now. <laughs> 10 months, I think. Mastering Adversity, Unlock the Warrior Within, and Turn Your Biggest Struggle into Your Greatest Gifts. You know, a lot of people ask me, why'd you write a book? What's it about? I wrote the book because it was a, it felt like an essential duty that I wanted to bring to the world. And from everything that I've learned from interviewing hundreds and hundreds of experts and really incredible individuals to going through my own journey of overcoming adversity, 
over and over and over again. I wanted to create a guide for people like you who love the show and want to take the next step. So, you know, I have the framework of what it actually means to master adversity in your life, the five A's mastering adversity and building awareness in your life with the adversity archetypes. These two key areas, if you focus in on these in your life that are in the book, they can really, really help you. And that was the goal of the book is to really give you a tangible tool, a relatable tool that I go real deep with my own story, give you the tools, tips, and resources that you can apply in your own life so that you can take action and move through whatever adversity you're facing. So that's available now. Click the link below, take you to Amazon, Mastering Adversity. And I appreciate you guys. You know, I appreciate all of you that have been with me for as long as we've been going, four and a half years. I know a lot of people have, you know, joined along the way. And I just want to say thank you and I appreciate all of you. All right. Let's get into this episode. Rachel Shear coming right up. Rachel, welcome to University of Adversity. When I first learned about your story, I was like, okay, we got to get her on. So thank you for being here. I'm really, really excited to dive in. Lance, I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. It's, it's been a long time coming. We've been friends on social media for a while. I feel like I know you. I know, right? Same with me. I love the work that you're doing and it's so important. We're so aligned in so many ways because there is such a problem with the knowledge that people are getting in the world you know, from conventional medicine to, you know, the, the health problems people are having, mental health, all of it. And I love your approach of getting to the root and just the holistic approach, because it's so important that people understand that. And I just have been somebody that has taken a passion of this probably since I would say the first time that I really started to dive into this was like Dr. Mercola back in mm. like 2008 or nine, when like he was talking about things that, you know, reading labels, you know, like, like understanding that chemicals and foods and like just realizing that maybe these companies don't have our best interests at heart. And, you know, Whenever I come across somebody like you, I'm like, yes, she gets it. And I guess for me to kick this off, I know you got a powerful story where a doctor told you to get your large intestine out and you didn't want to do that. And I guess where I'd love to learn about is what led to that? Like how bad were things? Like how did your gut get to the point where you almost had to get rid of it, your, your large intestine? Like how did that even happen? Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. And uh, as you know, I agree with everything that you said there. And I think just my definition of what health truly means has really changed as I've struggled with a lot of my own health issues. You know, I got into this line of work when I was young, I was an athlete, I was a gymnast and I was a dancer and, um, it was really on the athletic side, but also the aesthetic side as well too. So I grew up, um, getting into bodybuilding, going to school for nutrition science and dietetics. And, um, so I've always was that weirdo that was like reading all of the, the foods, like talking about that, like seeing what was in everything. Um, but really because I think, um, growing up as an athlete, you know, I actually didn't eat very 
I grew up on McDonald's and stored Halloween candy. Um, so nutrition wasn't something that I really knew a whole lot about. Now, when you go to school for nutrition, you know, they teach you like nothing that in my opinion is relative to what I now teach a lot of my clients, like the old food pyramid, right? Where it was like carbohydrates and bread all at the bottom. It was like all of that old stuff, which I, I very rarely use a lot of the education now with what I do today in functional medicine. But my health issues really began when I started to compete in bodybuilding. You know, I got into fitness because of what it did for me from my confidence. I grew up pretty insecure. Um, I was the little girl in the back of the classroom who never really spoke out loud. Um, I would like raise my hand like this, like very shy and insecure. And fitness for me really was an avenue to create a sense of confidence and even a sense of worth in a lot of ways. And I think that's common for a lot of people, at least a lot of the people that I have gotten to know is like we get started on our fitness journey coming from a place sometimes of feeling insecure, of not really liking ourselves physically, our body, where we're at in life. And by pursuing fitness, like we create this new sense of self, we create this new identity. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I was able to like feel more confident and speak up more. And I loved what it did for my body physically. So getting into bodybuilding, it started from a very healthy, you know, ground and framework. You know, I wanted to see what my body was capable of. I love the transformation. I love what it was doing for me. But three years into competing, it it kind of shifted a little bit. It shifted with where I was coming from. You know, what started to be something that was creating confidence was now almost taking it away, if that makes sense. Um, I found myself more insecure, which bodybuilding, it's not really a healthy sport. Anyway, um, you're literally up on stage in a swimsuit and we are judging you like for every little critique in your body um, and comparing you with everybody. Like, turn around, let's look at your backside. Is there any cellulite? Is there anything that's right? Like, it's, it's not a healthy sport. It's not based off of athletic performance by any means. So what started for me is like seeing what I could do and seeing what I was capable of started to kind of shift. And it started to be like more so this hustling to see what, I guess a, a good frame to put around this is trying to see and prove something to, I don't know who at the time, whether it was, you know, myself, whether it was to other people, um, whether it's to the judges. And um, it was at that point in time, I was at probably a, you know, 10% body fat, very, very lean for a female, right? So um, a healthy female body fat percentage is typically around 18 to 22%. I'm at around, you know, 10%. I'm shredded six pack abs. And I had grown my social media actually to a pretty large following at the time because, you know, little insecure Rachel, who no one really paid attention to all of a sudden had a ton of eyeballs on her all because of my body and how I looked. And it was about at the peak of my career competing in bodybuilding that I started to struggle first with depression, like severe, severe depression, which at the time I just... I kind of brushed it off. Um, I was put on an antidepressant and, uh, 
I then started to struggle with uh, thyroid issues that was put on thyroid medication. And then um, I remember actually three years into competing at like back to back competitions, um, actually getting ready to go pro, like the epitome of health of what it looked like from the outside was when I started to actually struggle with a lot of gut issues. And I actually remember at a competition, I won first place, I came home and I just went in bed and I, I laid there and I felt completely awful. I could barely get out of bed, just chronically fatigued and dealing with all of this bloating that I would literally look six months pregnant at the end of every single day. And being somebody who was very health conscious, I decided I was going to go to Western medicine and go to the doctor. Right. It's, which is what most of us are taught to do. We're like, okay, something's off. Um, I'm dealing with some gut issues. I'm dealing with some bloating. Um, I'm chronically fatigued all the time. I was now on thyroid medication. So I had actually even gone to the doctor a little bit, but that really started my journey of my health issues. And it, I felt like it was a very quick downhill at that point, like I was the epitome of health up on stage competing, thought everything that I was doing was healthy. Now hindsight, right? Looking back, um, it was not healthy to be at 10% body fat, but from really a lot of the thing that I, things I was doing is it wasn't health and from a totality standpoint. It, it wasn't health for um, the foods that I was really putting into my body, right? I was focused a lot on macronutrients and carbs and fats and protein and hitting a certain number, but I wasn't paying attention to the quality of the foods that I was eating um, and how that was playing a role in my gut and my mental health. I wasn't paying attention to my stress, my training, and how that was really affecting my physical body. And what was so unfortunate is like when you're struggling with health issues, like you can't really see it, even though it's kind of obvious, like right in front of you. And so I was just passed from doctor to doctor, right? They were like, okay, let's see what's going on with your gut. Because now at this point, like I'm in debilitating pain, can barely get out of bed. Um, I actually was no longer able to use the restroom anymore without doing an enema. I know not very sexy for a bikini competitor. Wow. But, um, they ended up doing, you know, all the scans, colonoscopy, endoscopy, and just told me I had IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. And I was sent on my way, given more medications. And this continued for a bit over a year and a half where my health just continued to get worse and worse. I even went to the Mayo Clinic. I did a bunch of testing there. And really the same answers is I was given medication. I was given what I call a trash can diagnosis of IBS and given medications to really just manage the symptoms of what I was struggling with. And it's interesting, right? As I share this story, you're probably thinking like, well, it's obvious. No. <laughs> it's obvious. Like what was wrong? Like what was happening in my life? But you know, what's so interesting is no one actually took the time to like really look at me. Nobody took the time to actually be like, hey, let's look at this girl's lifestyle. 
Let's look at her diet. Let's look at, you know, her training. Like if anybody actually paid the slightest bit of attention or really care to really look at me as a person, instead of just running a bunch of different tests, the answer was obvious of what was really happening ultimately. Mm -hmm. And I was getting worse and worse where that was eventually I was sent to a colorectal surgeon who told me I needed to have my entire large intestine removed because I could no longer use the bathroom at all without an enema. So that was the solution to the problem. So that was my rock bottom of a lot of my health issues. And I can continue. But. Yeah, I, I, there's a couple of things there. I just want to, I want to dig into. So you were competing you're doing all the things you thought were right. You're on stage. Like we all are as an athlete. I was a hockey player. I was given the wrong information. If I knew what I knew now, it would probably be different. And you're just doing your best and you're starting to feel like shit and you're just getting given medication. And there's nobody that's really looking at you as an individual as to like what is actually happening. Now, when you think back to those moments, what specifically in your diet can you say now were red flags that you can sort of pinpoint as the things giving you signs as to like the symptoms that were coming? Like, can you, can you remember mm -hmm. back to those moments, the things that like really were like, Oh shit, uh, this is really not agreeing with me just for people to understand, like yeah. before we go to the next part, like what those actually were. Yeah. Um, my diet, right. Like I said, was good in terms of how much protein I was getting and calories, obviously to be at a healthy body composition, but it wasn't healthy for my gut and my hormones. So I was eating a ton of diet foods, right? So artificial foods, I call these Franken foods actually quite a bit. Yeah. So, you know, pre-workouts and post-workouts and artificial foods. And, you know, right. I didn't really necessarily follow like if it fits your macros type of a diet, but there was a lot of not real food in my right. diet. You know, and um, some of the things that are actually really uh, bad for our gut are artificial sweeteners, gums, fillers, um, sugar, gluten, wheat, seed oils. You know, and I'd, I'd say the yeah. biggest thing in my diet were a lot of artificial foods, right. gums, fillers, um, and it combined with, and I always say combined because everybody... I think there's certain things that can cause disease in the body. And it's not normally just one thing, right? So in functional medicine, we talk about the three main stressors. There's dietary stress, there's physical stress, and then there's emotional stress. And then sometimes there's maybe more environmental pain and inflammation. So I guess technically four, four main stressors. And for most people to get disease and for something to you know become off in the body, there's typically a combination of a few of these. So for me, I had dietary stress with what I was eating, but physical stress, I was at a very low percent body fat. Right. Um, I was training really, really hard. Um, so my body was in already more of a catabolic state, which is a breakdown state. And very often we don't really think about how the gut lining, it's a muscle tissue and can be very easily broken down. So bodybuilders, right? Like we avoid cortisol as much as possible because we don't want to break down our muscle mass, but the gut lining is very susceptible to 
breakdown. So when we're chronically stressed, not with acute stress, that cortisol can break down the gut lining. Now, let's say you combine that with a lot of dietary stress, foods that are now feeding gut pathogens, bad bacteria in the gut, maybe combined with some emotional stress, um, which was also playing a role for me. It creates this perfect whirlwind for intestinal permeability, leaky gut, where bacteria, foods, and toxins are leaking into my bloodstream, um, triggering an immune and inflammatory response. Um, this creates an environment too for bacteria overgrowth, especially because the gut shuts down, motility slows down, low body composition also negatively affects the thyroid, which also further slows down the motility in the gut, which led to a lot of my gut issues, which ended up being a microbiome imbalance, which even wasn't even looked at with Western medicine. So Western medicine did all of the scans and everything. But at the time when I was struggling with this, like gut health wasn't like a sexy topic. What year um, was this? Did, just in perspective. Uh, this was 2016 to 17. Yeah. So it wasn't talked about as much It had yeah. a little bit, but not like it is now. Yeah. It wasn't like common to be like, let's check for SIBO. Let's look for dysbiosis. And like, even the Mayo Clinic wasn't even talking about it. Right. You know, so that's where, when I got more into gut health with my, my practice and I think how it's done so well is because, you know, I got in on gut health and taking a gut centric approach to health very early on based off of my own story. Mm. It's fascinating to me because of this gut, because my mom has had IBS and one of my ex-girlfriends, we broke up years ago, but she suffered from it too. And it just seems like it's such a common thing. And no doctors seem to understand how to help it. And it's, it's, it's frustrating when you try and help them, especially it's always the people that are close to you. They don't really listen. <laughs> it's like, Hey, just remove a few of those things. But what the excuse is, is always like, Oh, it's only, I'm only having a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And then you look at the foods and you're like, yeah, there's that oil. And then there's this sugar and then there's this, and then all of that adds up and it wreaks havoc on your gut. And you wonder why you have it. And then you end up spending money on this crap that's made from these drug companies to help. And it's, it's frustrating to watch because it's like from even, you know, learning and from, from people like yourself, like I've understood this now, but it's so hard to, when people are close to you to help yeah. make sense of it. Cause it's, it's obvious to me, but it's not obvious to everybody. And it's yeah. so, it blows my mind that, that it's not a bigger issue with doctors. Like, how is it not, you know, mm -hmm. like it just it blows my mind. Yeah. And I think that's the big difference with Western medicine and in functional medicine. And now luckily more people are becoming aware of what functional medicine is. It's really more of that root cause approach. Now, Western medicine, you know, everything is looked at as independent independent systems overall. Right. So like look at, you know, you go to a gastrointestinal physician, you'll go to an endocrinologist, you go to all of these different physicians and they rule out anything that could be bad in the body. So like they ruled out ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, which is important, but we also have to remember Western medicine practices medicine, right? So 
oftentimes like we are surprised when they offer medicine, physicians practice medicine. So I know for me, I had to really learn who to go to for what. And it was really at the peak of, you know, being told I needed to have my large intestine removed where I was like, this is not the way there's got to be another answer. And, you know, Lance, I was ready to get the surgery. Like I was at that point. So like, I also know, like talking about like your mom and people who are struggling, you know, when you really are struggling, it is hard to sometimes see some of the things right in front of you. And that's why working with a coach is so crucial because sometimes we can't see it. We truly can't. And, um, as I got to that point, you know, I was also doing all of the symptom management things. I was like, give me the medication, give me the antidepressant to give me, you know, whatever I need to take. Like I was that desperate in my life. So now when I coach people, I understand what that's like. And I can relate to them on a level of knowing like, being so desperate and wanting to get rid of how you're feeling and just feeling depressed in your life and feeling like no one's really actually hearing you. And I had to end up taking my health in my own hands. And I don't mean like I fixed every problem on my own, but I had to really seek out the people that I wanted to work with. You know, I ended up finding a functional medicine practitioner. Um, I did some gut microbiome tests and I found out that a lot of my core issues were stemming from having bacteria overgrowth and dysbiosis in my gut. And I became obsessed with learning everything that I could about gut health. And I had my business at the time that was actually helping people with weight loss and like bodybuilding and that kind of stuff. And I started on social media And as I started to go through my own healing and actually for the first time, make some progress, it wasn't a quick fix by any means. Like I remember it'd be like, okay, I could go a few days without having any, any gut issues and feeling fatigued all the time. And and then I could go a few weeks, a few months, and it, it probably was a full year, if not longer of healing my body, you know, and this wasn't just changing my diet. Um, this was, yes, doing some of the functional medicine protocols, addressing some of the bacteria overgrowth in my, my gut, doing some different healing protocols there. Um, but it was also addressing the way I was relating to myself, too, um, because I would make some progress for a period of time. And then I, I just re- couldn't really fully heal my body. And I remember, I'm like, what is happening? Okay. I'm making great progress. I'm doing all of these things. I found out I have bacteria overgrowth and I'm addressing these stuff and I'm changing my diet and I'm doing all of the gut healing diets, which is very different than like, okay, just eat healthy. Like it's very, very restrictive, purposely restrictive for a short period of time in order to really give the gut a chance to rest and heal, especially with how um, dysbiotic and imbalanced my microbiome was. But the part that I didn't address until later, like I said, was that relationship with self. And, you know, even as I shared my story earlier, there was this view of self I was really operating from. And I was operating from a place of unworthiness in my life, right? I was, I was hustling for my worthiness, trying to prove it through my body, um, prove it through, you know, feeling like I could be accepted and fit in. And that's where too, when my body started to deal with all the health issues, I felt utterly betrayed by it because so much of my worth had actually been built up in my physical body. 
And that's when I ended up doing a lot more of the deep, deep, deep healing work to really work on that relationship with self and create a a new view of self that I was operating from. And I didn't realize I had a lot of other trauma that I needed to work on with where this was coming from. So, you know, this was also for me an awakening journey. It wasn't just a physical healing journey. It was a truly an awakening healing journey. And now that's why I say the whole person must heal for the gut to function optimally. I think very often it's this view of self that also manifests in these health issues. Why? Because, you know, if we don't respect ourselves, if we don't have a good view of self, right, we'll either make up an excuses to do the things that aren't loving for ourselves, whether that's giving us excuses to eat shit food right? That's wreaking havoc on our body, our gut, our hormones, our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, there's the other side, like I was on and it's coming from a place of, of trying to prove ourselves and like hustling for worthiness, you know, more perfectionistic type mindset. And I see it on these two extremes, right? And this is really, I think the big battle that we all face, it's really that relationship with self and either we were struggling with self-worth. So we're trying to do everything we can to prove that, or we don't believe it. So we're not doing the things we need to do in order to you know, love ourselves the way that we need to. Such a good point. Self-worth. I feel like everybody is struggling with that. Everybody. Like even today, you know, like I'll, I'll feel amazing last night. I'm feeling, you know, great. And then I wake up this morning and all the stories come and I'm like, so interesting because it's not even true. A lot of the bullshit thoughts aren't even true. And it's just so interesting to witness. And like, I've seen it over and over and over again, and especially on social media, there's so much people are craving like to be seen, to be heard, you know, and there's, there's just such a lack of unworthiness because if, and then they're chasing this thing. That is never going to give them the thing that they think it is. Because when you get the thing, you're just going to want to keep getting more and more and more and more and more of it. You have to find that within yourself. And it's such a realization that is life-changing that if you can feel whole in yourself first, then you don't feel the need to constantly be seeking that outside of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you know healing at the core is really a process of unbecoming. Yeah. So I think um, as we grow into adult, you know, we go throughout our childhood, you know, we, we put on these different masks. We create these different identities based off of the relationships we had with our parents, based yeah. off of what was told about who we are, right? Based off of, you know, what and how we received love for. And like, even for myself, cause I can only speak for me, Yeah, you know, I was given, you know, a lot of love and admiration based off of my physical body from my parents growing up. Um, I was a gymnast and I was a dancer. I was an athlete. My parents actually 
divorced when I was younger is is very toxic home um growing up where you know we all lived together despite the divorce um and my mom was dating other people my dad was it was it was this messy period of my life um so there was not really a whole lot of attention given towards me growing up especially being the middle kid I actually Mm. could literally be gone for days no questions asked like be at a friend's house and I was like gone for like a week and then I'd be like hey I'm back and then like oh you were gone and it was like yeah, I was gone. Like zero type of attention, more like neglect. But my parents always loved to praise me for dance and athletics and all of those things. So it created this view of self. Really, I created this view of self, right? We say they created. No, we created. Yeah, I created this view of self of, you know, I have worth when I am physically beautiful, you know, when I'm strong and, and, and I grew up to be an athlete and, you know, this is, it's such a huge part of my identity still to this day of like, you know, being athlete and being fit. And I think there's the good part of the ego, right. Yeah, that we yeah. need to have. And then there's the part of the ego that's really, you know, detrimental to yeah. us. Right. So, you know, for me, that's where through a lot of the work I was able to realize, like, that's where I was really operating from. I was operating from that place within myself and all of these things happened. And I created that meaning based off of my circumstances that I am worthy in X, Y, and Z. And I think we all create these. It's very, very normal. Mm. And then by the time we get to an adult, right, we you know, where you wonder why we're struggling, whether it's in relationships or it's struggling in our career or confidence or whatever it may be. And I think that's where one awareness is a very crucial part of beginning that healing process. Cause I know I was very unconscious for a long period of time and how this was showing up in my life. Mm. Um, it's what actually truly at the core, like I could say, yes, the diet and all these things, but it was, that view of self, how I was relating to myself. And um, one of the coaches I work with always said um, this quote, the way in which we relate to ourselves directly creates and impacts all of our circumstances and relationships, meaning right. View of self um, creating constantly everything that we have in our life. Um, And I think that's so powerful to learn because it puts ownership back on self right in terms of everything i have in my life right now yes what i'm struggling with my physical health even too um, my relationships everything i have created based off of that view of self Mm. that's fascinating stuff i i want to talk about um you mentioned and we talked about this at a different conversation i think on instagram or something but I, uh, you were on medication and I listened to your podcast with Andy Frisella. I remember I was sitting in the sauna and I was like, fuck, this is a great conversation because I didn't realize someone like him was on antidepressants and you were talking about your experience and it hit home for me because I lost my younger 18 year old brother to suicide after taking medication. And, um, it's very close to home because this stuff, I know that it can maybe serve a purpose, but I don't really agree with it. And I would love it if you could speak to us about that, that, that journey that you went on, because I know it was a, it's a very challenging road 
to get off that stuff. So can you speak to us about, okay, you were feeling like shit, the doctor's giving this medication. And then what after that, how did you end up realizing like, okay, this is a problem. How do I get out of this? Yeah. And uh, I, I will say too, hearing Andy Frisella's story of him being on an SSRI antidepressant for 10 years um, was really inspiring yeah. for me. Because, you know, when I was put on that medication, I did not realize how difficult it was going to be to get off of it. Um, and when I say Lance, the hardest thing of my life, like the hardest thing of my life. And Andy actually said the exact same thing. And yeah. I was like, this is like the 75 hard guy. This is the guy who like does hard shit. And for him to say, you know, it was the hardest thing of his life. I was like, oh, this makes me feel so much that's why better. I love, that's why I love the guy. Cause he's just like, like, he's just truth. Like he's, I just love it. I, yeah. It's, it's so important for guys like him to speak about things like that. It's so important. And it's just gives me, I have so much more respect, you know, that he's willing to go there and share that. Mm -hmm. And you as well. Like that's, it's, it's, it takes our hero. It takes courage to be vulnerable like that. It takes a lot because yeah. people are so programmed to think that if you share you're weak and it's not that it's not, yeah. it takes a lot of courage. And I'll be honest, like for a long time, it was something that I really struggled to talk about, especially because I was still on the antidepressant as I got into my current work with functional medicine mm. and everything there. You know, I had healed a lot of my gut issues. You know, I had done a lot of the deep inner work and there was like that last piece. And I was like, you know, I, I think I want to try to come off of it. And I had tried to come off a, a couple of times and I would be okay for a couple of weeks and I, I can't even describe like the disconnect to self. I felt panic attacks, the anxiety, the like not even feeling like I could function in my life. It, it, it is awful. And I will say the first time, which I don't recommend anybody do, um, you know, and I was only on five milligrams, a very low dose, actually very. And um I just try to stop it altogether, um, which I think was part of the problem. You, you really need to wean these types of medications. But I was like feeling so good in my life. And I'm like, why am I taking this? This doesn't need to be something that I'm taking and came off of it. And I didn't realize how much my body had really adjusted to that medication, right? So SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, they basically, um, they open this little door where the serotonin essentially can, um, go or sorry, closes the door. So it inhibits that reuptake of serotonin. So that neuron is more firing, but what they, they don't tell you is after a period of time, a lot of that serotonin that's firing on the neuron, um, there's enzymes there in the synaptic cleft that actually eat up a lot of those serotonin molecules. So what actually happens is antidepressants work really well at the beginning because there's more serotonin firing on that neuron because they can't basically go back to their home there because that, that, that reuptake transport door is closed. Um, but then eventually the serotonin levels get decreased because they're eaten up by a lot of these enzymes, ones called COMT. And then you kind of return back to where you were before. Um, at least, but then when you come off of the antidepressant, 
and the, that reuptake port actually opens back up, you actually have less serotonin molecules altogether that were originally helping fire that neuron because now they're going back home and a lot of them were actually eaten up by those enzymes. So high level, what I'm saying is you end up depleted in your serotonin thereafter. And um, that's what creates a lot of the withdrawal symptoms. And when I thought of like withdrawal, I thought it would be, you know, you always have different kind of ideas of what it would be like. Um, I, I, I can't even begin to explain just how awful it was, but it was like, yeah, it was, you, a hard thing. was it like physical symptoms like sweating and stomach ache, or was it more of like a mental thing? Like, like a, compl a, a complete mental disassociation with a constant low grade anxiety. Like you want to crawl out of your skin and completely leave your body. There's one moment I can think of that I can relate to that. Maybe it's the same. I was very stupid when I was 20 years old and I did a lot of ecstasy. Very stupid. You know, I was a lost kid after hockey after my career ended. And I remember that feeling of taking ecstasy and the come down and the depletion of serotonin was so bad that if that is the same thing or worse, like it was, it was awful. And I can't imagine what that, what that would be like coming off medication, if it's the same or worse, but like, there's nothing that helps. Like you just feel like you're just, if that's yeah. the same, I don't know. But if we're talking depleting serotonin, it was like the, the lowest, you just, it's awful. Like, I know what you mean. Like, you can't really explain it. I, I, you can't explain it. Yeah. And for anybody who like judges other people for being on medication and struggling to come off, like I have so much empathy now for them and what they, they struggled with. Cause actually, um, you know, my boyfriend I was dating then like gave me a really hard time about it, like coming off of it. And it's like, unless you really understand like that withdrawal and that feeling, um, I, I really think people don't have, really have the right to judge. And now I'm not against medication. Like I I'm really not. And I talk about this very openly, even yeah. on my social media page. I'm like, I'm not ever against taking medication, but I am for getting to the root cause. And I think where this becomes problematic is, you know, Western medicine gives this as an immediate fix for so many things. And we diagnose based off of symptom clusters with Western medicine, meaning you go to the doctor, you say that you have depression, you have anxiety. They list off a bunch of symptoms and then based off of these symptoms that are clustered together, they say, hey, you have major depressive disorder based off of fitting the symptom criteria. Here is a medication, right? And no one ever asks about anything else in your life. What is your relationship like? What is, you know, your diet like? You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't dive into any of those things. And there's so many root causes, plural, for depression. Yeah. Um, you know, the gut can play a massive role, right? Gut plays a big role in actually producing serotonin with your gut bacteria. Um, so depression, anxiety is pretty common when you have dysbiosis, intestinal permeability, 
um, also plays a big role in the stimulation of the vagus nerve, um, low hormones, right? So you're deficient in like for women, uh, progesterone, uh, men deficient in testosterone that can play a huge role. Um, adrenal issues, high levels of cortisol output, um, mm -hmm. that can lead to depression, um, deficiencies, B vitamins, omega-3 fatty acids. You know, there's a lot of different things there. Uh, toxins, you know, heavy metals, uh, a lot of these toxins, which are huge in our environment, um, actually cross through the blood brain barrier. Um, so they actually can lead to neurotoxicity playing a huge role in depression. So there is a multitude of different things in functional medicine we can look at also with somebody's lifestyle. You know, one of my favorite things to do with people now with my practice is ask them, like, take me through a day from the moment you wake up in the morning. What are you doing all the way till the end of the day? And you learn so much about somebody, you know, between their exercise, between what they're eating, between how they're spending their time. And most of us are like exhausted. We're burnt out. And if you look at somebody's day, I'm like, well, you have no time that you're actually creating energy for yourself. Um, I have to be very intentional, you know, with my mornings, with breaks throughout the day, like before I get on this podcast, like I know my energy is one of the biggest things that I need for a podcast. So I have to create that energy. If I would have jumped on this podcast right after like three back-to-back -back calls, it would have been, you know, a great Rachel. So I, I'm intentional with creating that, but I think that's really what I'm so passionate about in this work because you can help people discover whether it's from a lifestyle standpoint or even through proper testing, functional medicine testing, you know, what is really off and answer those questions. Why, what stressors are playing the biggest role? Your diet is an environmental, you know, is it emotional? Um, is it physical stress? What body systems are these affected? They're all interconnected. So if the gut is off very often, we'll the the hormones off you know because estrogen is metabolized through the gut so we can have estrogen dominance this can lead to pms mood issues for a lot of women so everything's interconnected and we need to look at it in that way um, versus here's a medication based off of all of these symptoms that you fit and that's really the solution that western medicine is offering how do you how do you balance between like being aware of all these things, but not making yourself go crazy paranoid about it? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it, there's so many things, you know, I've followed Paul Saladino for years. He was on the podcast before he even got big, you know, 2019. And like, but he is kind of like known as the guy that's always pointing things out, which is great. But at the same time, it's almost there's times where it's like, do we do like, do we really need to worry about that as much? And I guess the reason is because like I've been there and I've like been in that point where I worry about everything. And then I feel like I'm almost making myself more stressed about it. But mm -hmm. I guess like, what's that fine line? Like, what are the most important like things? Like, let's say three things that somebody needs to really be mindful of, like, that you would recommend or that you do, or, you know, because there are a lot of things to, we could, we could literally go like find everything that's wrong. Right. And I guess when you have to live a life and you have to keep things in check, like, what does that look like for you? Like what advice do you have in that regard? Yeah. You know, I would say 
figuring out what is the biggest risk factor for you, meaning what is the thing that's going to get you? So when you work with a functional medicine provider, very often, like we'll do a a ton of testing. We'll look at your lifestyle, your family history, um, past, you know, issues that your family's dealt with, whether it was diabetes, um, cardiovascular issues, and you can figure out a lot from that information, what is going to be the thing that gets this person, right? Um, eventually something's gonna get all of us. Yeah. Um, and we all have different risk factors. Actually, the biggest risk factor, mental health for right. most people. It's mm. mental health. But for someone else, it may be, you know, cardiovascular health overall. So for that person, you know, it may be different of what they really need to pay attention to and worry about, right? Because the indicators based off of their lab testing and everything shows that this is an area that maybe is suboptimal also looking at their history, their diet and everything. So I think it has to be more individualized because I I do agree with you to an extent, like you can go down a million rabbit holes, which is actually what I love about this, this line of work Um, is because (laughs) I love going down rabbit holes. That's why I got into it and learning about all of these different things. Um, But I think it's important to keep it in perspective of like what's important for me to really, really focus on. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah. Cause I just, I remember my dad, he was just, I got him into it and he started getting obsessive about it. And I was like, dad, you don't have to like, like, I, like there's certain, like, I think like certain people will kind of take it and not really focus on the main thing. So I think that's important to kind of identify what's, what's the thing that you really need to pay attention to. I had a big three though. Yeah. If you had uh, to, areas to focus on for yeah. optimal health. Well, yeah, three. I would say gut health. Gut. I would say mental health. And then I'd say uh, skeletal muscle mass. I'd say those three key areas. Um, mental health is, I think, the biggest risk factor all of us face. Yeah. Um, and, and that can also be brain health too, right? Very often, like it, it is doing the deep inner work, the relationship with self, but there's a lot of other things that can lead to, you know, neuro issues like a deficiency in omega-3 fatty acids. That's one of the um, biggest risk factors for developing Alzheimer's um, mm. because the the hippocampus, the memory part of the brain actually shrinks. So they've shown that people who are deficient in uh, DHA, omega-3 fats, they have a smaller hippocampus over time. So there can be things to look at there in terms of mental health. Um, it can also be more through, you know, helping somebody heal from some of their trauma. Um, this, this, Saturday, I'm actually doing some MER work for the first time, which I'm super excited about because, you know, you think you get to a certain point and then you up level again in your life and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, like there's more things that I get to peel back, which I think that area, you know, there's always different things that we get to heal. It's the same things. Yeah. They just come out at different levels. Like you get into a new relationship or, you know, you grow tremendously in your job or your career. And then you're like, okay, this thing is kind of coming up again. Um, so mental health, uh, gut health, gut is connected to everything, which is why yeah. I take a gut centric approach because once I healed my gut, everything else started to improve. Um, and healing my gut did consist of dealing with this, uh, I'm pointing to my brain for everybody who's listening, uh, but healing my gut improved my hormones. 
Mm. Um, it improved my thyroid function. Um, it, it improved a lot of my anxiety levels that I was struggling with um, because the gut is the center of all of these things. Then I think on the, the last area, muscle mass, right? Um, muscle is crucial. And as we get older, we actually at the age of 30, it's predicted that most people lose three to 10% of their skeletal muscle mass per decade. Mm. And muscle is more important for um, longevity because it's not just about locomotion and movement. Um, it does play a huge role in glucose disposal. It plays a mm. huge role in metabolism. Um, it keeps inflammation low in the body. And so if we want to stay young and healthy and focus more on health span instead of just a lifespan. I do believe that muscle mass really is the key to that. Um, my good friend, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, um, that's her area of expertise. She focuses on that more. I focus more on the gut side, but those three areas would be my take. Yeah. The gut is so important. Like I personally had really bad anxiety, you know, by a family that has anxiety and I realized how important it is, the food that I eat, that I can literally eliminate my anxiety. Like people mm -hmm. think that they're, they're, they become a prisoner to this, that oh, I just have this and it's the way it is. It's like, no. And then you ask them what they eat and you're like that, those, those like refined carbs, those oils, those sugars, they all create havoc. Like I've felt it. I've done it. I've, I've, I've been both sides. You know, I drank a lot before I, I I've tested it on myself. I removed it. And the first time that I actually felt like I didn't have anxiety was when I first tried doing keto years ago, I was like, Whoa, I don't feel anxious. Like what the hell? And then I started to notice when I would put sugars in and when I would go and have a pizza I'm like, whoa, I get this like wave of panic. And it's crazy to me that like that that happens and that it's not something that people realize, right? And instead it's like a medication. So it's like, it's so important to understand that the connection that you mentioned, right? To, to your well-being, but what you put in your gut, like, especially if you have anxiety, it's it, I, I, like I've seen it and I know when my anxiety comes back, I'm like, oh, okay. I ate out at that restaurant, that weird oil, mm -hmm. or like, there's just sneaky things in there. And you're like, Ooh, I feel a bit anxious. What did I have? And I think people just lack that, that like awareness of what did I eat yesterday? What happened yesterday? And it's not about beating yourself up. It's just like, Oh, okay. I feel like this today. What was that from? I wonder what that was from and get curious about it. Right. Rather than like, Oh, I'm just destined to have this and, you know, give away your power. Yeah. I feel like shit after eating one bad meal of like eating out. So I have no idea how some people literally live off of that through their entire <laughs> diet. But I think most people don't know what good really actually feels like. I think most point. people are living at a baseline that they tolerate They and they, that's all that they know. Hmm. And, you know, for me now, like I, I care a lot about like, feeling my physical and mentally best every single day. Like that is the number one, most important thing to me because, you know, I attribute health to foundation. Like I, I like to create core values. 
Um, one of the pieces of work that I did with a coach previously is we created more, um, um, non-ego based core values, meaning like, right. We create like, okay, health and these things, but like you feel core values, like in your body. And for me, health was potential. So like I can feel potential in my body. Like if I were to sit in a meditation and close my eyes, I could feel like that potential kind of like, that. Mm, like I want to get up and I want to move and I want to do all of these things in my life. Like for that, that is health to me. And when that is taken away, there is no potential. There is no potential to have a great relationship, you know, to have creativity, to, you know, do the things that you want to do. So you know, I always say I, I care about health so much because I want to have big vision and goals in my life with the things that I want to do. And I can't do that if I don't have the foundation there to support the potential in those different areas. Hmm. There's a, one more thing I want to touch on before we look at wrapping this up. Are you okay for time? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, this is just a specific thing that I noticed. You were on Bradley's podcast, right? Uh-huh. Uh-oh, and, I feel like I know where we're going. No, I just, when you're at a certain level and you're doing great things, you, you've got people trying to bring you down, right? And, you know, you got to deal with hate and all the, all the BS that comes with it. How do you, how do you deal with it? You know, when people are just shit talking and people are, I mean, it's kind of the name of the game, right? You kind of got to deal with it. And, you know, what is that like for you? Because, you know, people see you as a powerful woman, you know, you're doing things, you know, this and that, and they just want to try and tear you down. And Bradley's audience is funny because there's like a lot of mixed people in there. It's like, right. So I didn't know what I was stepping into. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the reason I bring it up is because what a lesson, right? And what a, what a way to, cause it's going to keep happening. You know, mm-hmm. it's gonna, it's, this is the kind of the shit that happens. Right. So how has, how has that been for you? Like what, what, how do you deal with that? Because a lot of people, you know, this is, this is just the, the name of the game we live in on social media and you kind of have to expect it at times. Yeah. I think what's great is when you've done enough work on yourself, you see the places in which other people are operating from. And what I mean by that is I I don't ever see anybody who is thriving and loving their life, who is getting online and social media and picking out picking other people apart. Like I don't see that. Mm. And people also don't realize that they're revealing what behaviors that they have. Like we don't have behaviors in one area of our life. Like if I'm critical of you, guess who I'm also critical of me yeah, and probably everybody else in my life, because I have critical as one of my core behaviors. Mm. So you know, knowing that because I've, I've gone through my own behaviors, identifying what those are, you know, how it's showing up in my life. Like when I look at comments of other people who are attacking me, who are breaking, trying to say things about whether it's what I'm wearing or how I look, or, you know, what I said was stupid or whatever it may be. One, I, I can have comfort in that, like, they're obviously not thriving and in love with their life. And it's only the people who are behind you that are going to be the ones who critique you. Like, I, I would never think about getting online and, and doing it. I don't have the time. <laughs> like, I don't have the time because I'm too busy 
building my dream and creating a life that I love. I'm too busy doing all of those things to get online and to critique anybody else for what they're doing in their life. Um, and then they're also just showing their level of consciousness too, right? Yeah. So the people who jump on and they're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And this, they're connecting based off of where they're at in their level of consciousness. Yeah. So when I look at it from that frame, you know, I'm able to like disconnect from it and really understand where they're coming from. So that's like my highest self way. But then there's like the little girl inside me because I'm also human <laughs> as well too. And then the little girl's like, Oh, that hurt my feelings. Like people are mean. Why did you have to say that? Like being completely transparent. And, and I say that because I want people to know, like, I'm not robotic and I, I do get hurt and people need to be more conscious of their words because their words, they have the words we use have impact in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And we need to be more intentional with using our words to bless other people and build other people up instead of tearing other people down. And yeah, when I see those, like the little girl's like, oh, that's mean, that hurt me. And I remember like talking with my girlfriend, I'm like, I didn't realize that like, people were like so mean out there. But then it's just like, it, it just really shows you, like I said, the level of consciousness of other people. So, you know, I have two versions of it. Yeah. And I think that's where like high self gets to speak to that, that little version of you and be like, hey, like, let me remind you of what the truth is of all of these things. Um, but of course, you know, when people say things to literally attack you, um, it, it's hurtful overall. So, yeah, I mean, the reason I bring it up is because I feel like it ties together. Like if you're feeling good and your body is feeling good and you're feeling mentally strong and, you know, you're doing the things that you do and that stuff's not going to bother you as much, but it's like, if you're in a low place and you're not confident, you're not doing the things, then maybe it will. But if you're in your truths and you're doing the things like you're going to get haters. And I think like I was, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of the way it is. And, you know, but then the, 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 the other side of that is you don't know how many people that you actually impacted that didn't say anything. Right. So there's always a lot of, it's just sometimes the, the, those people are the loudest people and you're right. It just shows their level of consciousness and that's even why more important that, you know, that you're feeling at that level of, of, you know, you get yourself to that level because, you know, you got to deal with that shit in life, yeah. you know, like it's super important. So, yeah, but I also look at it as a reminder of, you know, the person that I get to be yeah. because I take the words that I use very carefully, you know, and what I want to speak into other people, what I want to speak into myself. And it's the reminder of the person that I am and how I want to show up in this world. Um, and I think often too, like from another side of this, it just also revealed that, you know, where I can be more intentional with my words, with other people in my life, like we, we don't realize how many people crave our blessing, mm. right? Like truly crave our blessing and where we can really speak into other people. And we have the power to change other people's lives. Um, and the tongue has an incredible amount of power. So I take that stuff very seriously. Um, I will say, you know, the number one thing that impresses me, cause I'm not impressed by a whole lot, um, is kindness. Like that is the number one trait that it impresses me in somebody who is genuinely, truly kind to all people. Mm. That's a good thing to, it's a good thing to be. 
where can we all learn about you? Obviously, Instagram, Rachel Shear. And is there, you know, what's your website? Let's just direct everybody to you. Also, have a book of free root cause analysis on your Instagram. Tell us what else you got going on. You can check me out on Instagram, Rachel Shear. My business page is Rachel Shear Nutrition. I have a few Instagram pages out there, but my name is the main one. Website is rachelshear.com. You can learn more all about my functional wellness coaching with all the testing that we do and with everything that I talked about in this podcast. And yes, you can book a free 30-minute root cause analysis with my team. Amazing. And Sheer Madness Podcast. Sheer Madness Podcast. <laughs> I might rebrand it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it was fun when I started it. I was like, shoot madness. Cause I'm going to talk about anything and everything that I want to talk about, which is why it was like madness, but it, yeah, soon to be the Rachel Shear show. Wow. Amazing. Well, Rachel, thank you. I love the work that you do. Thank you for all of that. You, all the value you put out there. It's super, super important. And, uh, I know the listeners will love this. So thank you. Thank you, Lance. Thanks everybody.